Ahmed's take about the events around Jeddah last year was pretty eye-opening in a lot of ways. On top of his thoughts just regarding possibly the Saudis buying Formula One and Liberty Media as well and having complete control. But I had to ask him, how did the control of his fandom change over time? Was it driver-based, team-based? How did it become a Lewis Hamilton fan? Fernando Alonso was the man behind me supporting Lewis Hamilton because I was okay. supporting Michael Schumacher in those days. And of course, you cannot speak about Formula One without mentioning Fernando Alonso. I would say, for me, he's in the top five in history overall. Mm -hmm. He had a bit of a lucky, uh, I would say, transfers going from teams in the wrong time where he could have had more than just two titles as we know today. So the days when Alonso was just doing what he does best in 2005, 2006, and seeing how people, they were actually disrespecting uh, uh, Michael Schumacher, calling him, he's not a good driver, he's just a car driver. Something that we hear these days with Lewis Hamilton, that you see it was just a car, it wasn't him. And uh, when he joined McLaren, and I saw Lewis Hamilton, and I saw what he did in the first race, that's where I caught with Lewis. I was like, you know what? I like this driver. I may actually support the rookie over uh, the rock star. Look, the thing is about me and the Formula One, like even before Formula One, Mercedes was my favorite brand. And even okay. in the days yeah. when Michael like Schumacher was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mika Hakkinen and uh, David Coulthard, but mostly it's Mika Hakkinen, not David. Um, yeah. McLaren caught my eye, and because I was a kid, I had no idea that that car was McLaren. All I saw is that Mercedes badge, and because I love the brand itself, I was like, cool, I like this team because it's Mercedes, you know? And yeah. later on, I knew I know that, okay, this is just... McLaren team, but it's uh, powered by Mercedes, so that's why it's called McLaren Mercedes. Like I understood the naming, why it's called Mercedes. But then when Mercedes actually made their own team and bringing back Michael Schumacher, I was like, oh my god! Like my two best drivers are on the grid right now together, like Lewis and and uh, Michael, and both of them are driving a Mercedes, basically. But Lewis is with. Can you ask for much yeah, more? <laughs> so it's basically Lewis. That time we all know he was with the McLaren Mercedes, and um, mm -hmm. Michael was with the Mercedes Petronas that we know today. So, um, yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, now that there's a team, I'm gonna support Mercedes. Like there's the brand, I'm gonna support the Mercedes. But I was still supporting on Lewis side as a driver. But when he moved to the team Mercedes, I was just there. I was like. That's it. I'm set. Like the team and the driver are all together. It's all working well for me as a fan. But talking about next year, I just know that it's not going to be an easy season for Lewis. Even if they come mm -hmm. back to competitive side. Uh, judging from what I've been seeing lately, like he, he, look, he has nothing to prove. Like that's one. He broke every record possible. But yeah. If he really wants to gun for that eight, it's not going to be easy, even if, let's say, Mercedes, if they come back to compete for the championship and they have a proper car to do that. Yeah, he might be able to 
do it with Max, but then he doesn't have to forget about George Russell. And you yeah. can't forget Ferrari as well. We're not going to discount Ferrari here. So, so you've got Charles, you've got Max, and you've got George Russell. So if you really need to prove it, it like you have three guys to go through. And these are, this is the change of guard. So either you want to prove that you still got it or the change of guard is going to happen if you're not going to do it when you have a competitive car. But overall, yeah. I, w- I just as I saw Michael break the five of Fangio, I would love to see Lewis break the seven of Michael and get the eight. Yeah, that that would definitely be uh, something to look forward to, especially with your you know your fandom there too, and you're unique in the sense where you can say you're actually watching F1 when you saw one of those records that was there for so long. You see the changing of the guard and you see it again. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't really into F1 at any point during that time. So I, I uh, hope that obviously can happen here. And you touched on it really well, too, is, you know, you can't discount Ferrari, especially that they have a new team principal. Yeah. Um, the, the circus of clowns that was running the uh, <laughs> strategy last year might might be gone. You also, I guess, maybe Hamilton's advantage this year over Red Bull compared to last year might be the fact that you're adding Danny Rick into the mix. Who knows where that Verstappen Sergio Perez drama will go and if that will spill over on the track that's something and Lewis and George have been a good kind of one-two punch I feel like in a lot of ways and, and hopefully that can help uh, Mercedes with the resurgence in terms of um, the best driver lineup or the most driver line the, the most dangerous driver lineup that's the Mercedes mm-hmm. like nobody can argue that Perez is good but now the presence of or the shadow of Daniel Rick looming around in the paddock wearing a Red Bull shirt will put a pressure on him because technically speaking we all know that Sergio Perez is loved by Max fans because of what he did for him in 2021 but if mm-hmm. we look into yep. reality after what happened between them in uh, Interlagos in Brazil it just yep. kind of like put a crack between even the fans who were like yeah you're nothing. You're just a yeah. second driver. In a sense, they're yep. not wrong. He, when he came to the team, he knew his role is just to be a good second driver. Still more points from the competitors and just help your teammate to be up there in the championship. You are not here to battle for a championship. So the mm-hmm. presence of Danny Rick in the paddock around will put a pressure on him in 2023. Pressure in terms of yeah. either... I perform good, or probably I'll lose the seat. So, literally driving to driving survive. Driving to survive, <laughs> just like the TV show. <laughs> drive to survive. There you go. Yeah, uh, I gotta ask too, based on, and we'll I'm gonna circle back to Lewis Hamilton here, but I gotta ask, going with the preseason predictions for next year. You know, we're talking about the title fight, right? We got Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. What are you most looking forward to for those teams on the grid that might not be vying for that title spot? Um, not necessarily in terms of competition, but just what you would like to see as a fan of F1. I know we touched on Fernando Alonso, and I think some like good things that I'm looking most forward to is I would love to see Fernando Alonso get a podium. If he can somehow squeak out a win with Aston Martin, I think that would be absolutely insane. I'm also really looking forward to personally is how the rookies with an American on the grid, Logan Sargent, how will he do? Yep. But also, I really am curious to see, I don't think there's ever been a bigger target on a rookie's back like Oscar Piastri after the whole 
debacle amongst the teams and, and how that was handled and how will he fare against Lando Norris? Because I feel like every younger fan that's probably like early, late teenage to like young 20s, I feel like is obsessed with Lando Norris. You know, they think he's the next, you know, Lewis Hamilton or Verstappen and see how he does. And I would love to see Piastri really just go in there and kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, preseason predictions. I'm not going to go with predictions because there's nothing you can predict. I'm just more interested to see this is going to be the second year with the new regulations, the aerodynamic regulations. I'm just keen to see Mm -hmm. what teams they're going to bring in terms of changing the designs of their cars. Uh, Yeah. Pretty much, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, how good the car is going to look, how good the livery is. I don't think we have seen a good, classic, firm, sporty an aggressive livery in a very long time in Formula One. Now it's mostly, it looks mostly softened, but I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that. As long as I see it, like, I would say at least five to six cars racing, toe-to-toe, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. I would hope Mercedes, they actually found a way to bounce back. I know they don't have an issue in the power unit. They have probably the strongest power unit on the grid. Uh, they haven't managed, though, to increase the power in that power unit to see if that thing is going to hold or it's going to have issues just like what happened with the ferrari like the ferrari once they increased the power in that power unit in spain last year the problems start to rack up uh, yeah red bull we already know they're going to be coming in their favorite because in every new regulation usually when the teams start dominating it kind of sticks like that for the first year or two. But, of course, there's a competition. Yeah. Um, but I just hope to see Alpine and McLaren doing much better than what they did now. Uh, sorry, in 2022. I don't want to see them uh, just getting, like, a faulty podium. Just like what happened with uh, McLaren and Imola. When Landon North, like, yeah. Not, yeah. I don't want to see, like, a faulty podium just out of nowhere. Just like that. Like, I want to see them compete and somehow snit, like, just taking a podium from the top three. Uh, yep. Yeah, Earning it. it. Yeah. Like, based on race pace, not by accidents or something like that. But, of course, yeah. we love to see it. We love to see them in Formula One when a team that is not supposed to be in the podium, like, you know what, I want to see this drive. Just like how... <laughs> Chaos ensues. Just like how yeah. <laughs> nobody predicted coming 2021, a Haas will have a pole position. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It happened in Brazil. And yeah. So in general, there's nothing much to predict. I just think with the new tires coming in, cars will be slightly faster mm-hmm. based on the simulators. But again, simulators, we've seen how many teams they said, oh, we have 1.5 seconds missing. And we found it on the simulator. So we can translate that on the track and it doesn't happen. Take the W13, yeah, for example. Yeah. What they get in the wind tunnel and simulators is not what they get on the track. So yeah. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. much to predict, to be honest, until we see the first race in Bahrain. It's gonna sit the it's gonna set the grid. It's gonna set the table for everyone to know with every team where they're placed at. Yeah, yeah, where do teams start yeah. and where do they fall in? And going back to your Haas comment here too, and I, I know we obviously can't predict it, and that's a great point because I feel like right now with this calm before the storm and the season starting, see all these, oh, it's F1 yeah. prediction, you know, what's going to happen. 
last year we thought Ferrari's gonna have an awesome car. Well, they did, but you know, like, <laughs> didn't really last, unfortunately, upgrades all the, all the whole season. But bring the proper upgrades to carry on with the yep. pace and being ahead of the Red Bull. I had to ask Ahmed the question that's been on everyone's minds this off season. Does Andretti deserve a spot in Formula One? I heard Andretti wants to join Formula One. To be frankly honest, I wasn't with it because I was like, what is the mm -hmm. point to have another billionaire or millionaire joining Formula One to have his name on a car? But then when I saw that he actually going to join with Cadillac, I was like, yes, I want to see that. I want to see a car brand. I don't care if it's called Cadillac Andretti or Andretti Cadillac, mm -hmm. but there's a car brand on the grid with yeah, it. Yeah, some recognition. You know? So the fact that I'm going to see a Formula One car written on it, Cadillac, I'm okay with that. I don't care who owns the team. Take it, for example, similar to Aston Martin. Is that the actual Aston Martin? We all know it's Lawrence Stroll who owns the team. But he just bought the mm -hmm. name of the Aston Martin to put it on his car as an Aston Martin car. But that's not an actual Aston Martin. So, yes, I'm happy that he actually joined with Cadillac. And I'm really interested to see what they're going to bring. And maybe we could see an American team probably competing for a championship with the amount of resources that Cadillac mm -hmm. has in motorsport, like in Le Mans, in uh, Rolex 24, and many other series. Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic Andretti will be a good step forward because I think having a global brand like you had said with Cadillac just increases the legitimacy of it. And it's not a team that's coming in that's, you know, you're in here to compete and actually win. And when you have that already structure set out, you're giving your team more likely chance for success. And to the naysayers against Andretti, I can understand it because we have another American team called Haas, which let's be real, they spent 2021 essentially developing their car for 2022 with new regulations. It didn't go the way that they wanted to. A lot of people called it the white Ferrari. And we just get back on the back foot. So I can see the skeptics not wanting Andretti to join uh, for, for different reasons. Do you think any part of it with team principles, you know, not wanting Andretti to join comes with maybe possibly a lack? Um, I shouldn't say lack a fear of competition in some ways. You know, we have this drive to survive surge in America. And part of me just as an American maybe cautiously thinks maybe F1 and a lot of these teams are afraid that America will take maybe more of a market share yeah. of F1. And Andretti will now be the new Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, just kind of giant. And everyone in America will start rooting for these teams. I know that's probably not the case, but do you really see any reason as to why these teams or principals or owners should be anti a new team joining? It's their share of the pie. It's their share of the yeah. pie. That's what matters. Like, uh, if you have 10 teams and you have $600 million on the table, you would want it to stay as a 10 teams. But when you're going to, it's going to be 12, you're going to have less share of the pie, you know, mm -hmm. based on yeah. how much you're spending to develop and, uh, how much people you pay in from the factory like overall at the end of the season a formula one team spends 160 i mean this is before the budget cap but one team spends 170 million dollar on one formula one car we're talking about mercedes so they spend yeah. 170 million dollar on one car just to win 400 million 
you know but if andretti joins that means if you're gonna win the championship probably gonna win less you know because there's another team needs to get that share of the pie but who knows if andretti joins and also audi is joining and probably there's a chance of porsche as well and hyundai now is thinking to join it will bring more investors and i don't think any other team principal will have a problem by seeing um, more cars on the grid as long they get their fair share of the pie at the end of the season yeah, for yeah. what it's worth and what they did to win a title or be competitive. Exactly. Yeah. You said something great there too. I think the, you can't dilute the overall pot. You have to hope that it grows essentially linear, if not exponential with it too. And you would hope that with more of legitimacy with a team that has more resources, especially being in a market that's really untapped in a lot of ways that F1 has always wanted to expand to, Hopefully that 600 million, like you had mentioned, will, yeah. will go up a lot more. Um, and to kind of just uh, circle back a little bit too, when it comes to teams and everything like that. And um, you had briefly mentioned, you know, you'd been a, a Lewis Hamilton fan, obviously now more recently. And again, me being rookie here in F1, I got to ask. So Lewis Hamilton in his career, just Mercedes in general, very broad ended. You can think about it here. When it comes to fandom in America, and we had chatted beforehand, you know, it's like I think of the NBA. Yeah. I'm a newer NBA fan, but you got those moments. You got the Jordan flu yeah. game, you know. You got LeBron, I can think of right now, where he's like, he drains a three over the Orlando Magic when he's with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, is, is there any moments, let's call it before the drive to survive era, that you've lived through, that either Mercedes perspective or just a perspective in general, that you think a casual fan right now watching in America should really go back and do their due diligence and almost maybe relook at just to kind of ignite that passion, if you will, or just truly learn more about the sport. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. 2008, like if you're talking about fans of Lewis Hamilton, like go look into 2007 and 2008 season. Like that season overall, mm -hmm. 2007 and 2008 those two seasons overall they were good in terms of racing in terms of how these cars are racy i think those cars and that generation of the cars in 2007 and 8 they've reached the peak of their performance before moving to to new uh, regulations in 2009 uh, because in 2009 mm -hmm. the mclaren was not competitive it was the braun Braun GP is a good story to, for people to follow. Like uh, Braun GP is more like the Andretti story. Like uh, Braun, we all know who's uh, Ross Braun. He was uh, with the Ferrari, um, mm -hmm. but then he made his own team, uh, powered by Mercedes. And the same season, he just wins a he wins a championship, both title and constructors. So. There are stories, I'm talking about modern era, you can look into and be like, wow, I didn't know this has happened. But to be fair, look into 2007, 2008, uh, look in 2006, 2005. Uh, there are also good seasons. 2006 was good as well. What are other seasons people can look into? The season that uh, Jack Villeneuve won the uh, championship with uh, Williams, 
So again, modern era, I don't remember anything that people can look into and be like, oh my God, this is a good season. Probably, I think 2021 was good. It was good in terms of how far these two drivers pushed each other. And I think at some point in Mexico, where like I said, the driver championship is wrapped. Max is the champion and Lewis can, keeps coming back after Brazil starting yeah. from last, then Qatar, then he wins on Saudi. Sadly, it ended the way it is, the way it did in Abu Dhabi. The worst ending ever, I would think, for a championship battle. But uh, overall, yeah, any new fan, I think they should go back look into the 90s and early 2000s. And if they want to see something about Lewis in his early career, just look into 2007, 2008. They would enjoy that, actually. Okay. All right. Anyone listening, that's a sweet spot. 2007, 2008. They, you heard it from Ahmed there. Is there one race or moment amongst either of those drivers where you're just like, man, I love Formula One. Like, this moment will stick in my mind forever. There's one moment that made me very sad and made me actually, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It broke my heart so bad that I was like, why this had to happen. It was Michael mm-hmm. Schumacher, 2006 in uh, Suzuka. And I think yeah. he was closing the competition to, uh, he had to win the race in Suzuka to stay in the title competition against Fernando Alonso. And just out of nowhere, the Ferrari engine blows up while he's in the lead, comfortable and he DNFs and basically the championship was wrapped in Suzuka, if you if we speak in technically in points. So he had to race in Interlagos knowing that the championship is already done with. And uh, he had to, and he had a great race and it was his final race anyway. So uh, yeah, it was sad to see him go the way he did. But 2006, it was like just the old man trying to prove that, hey, I'm still here. Like, I'm... I, don't think that this kid is better than me. In recent years, I would say with Lewis, the one season I will never forget, it's him and Nico uh, Rosberg going back at it, back and forth at it, 2016 specifically. And uh, I think in 2016, Lewis was probably thinking that this is more in the bag because how fast, yeah. how fast he is compared to Nico. And that uh, he won, he basically just took the title from him in 2014 and 2015. So Lewis is more confident that in his ability to, he can do Nico Rosberg anytime he wants, you know. But coming into the 2016 season, he was, I would say, I would say that Nico Rosberg was more prepared for that season than Lewis, like. Nick Rosberg came like with a ton of vision for that season. There was some, mm-hmm. yeah, accidents and everything, but overall, uh, I don't think I've seen a more heated season between two teammates like the one that I've seen in uh, in 2016. And just the way how the, that final race that Lewis was trying to back uh, Nick Rosberg into Sebastian Vettel the final laps of the race. <laughs> And in my head, I'm like, Sebastian Vettel's not going to overtake Nico Rosberg. And Nico Rosberg is his friend. 
and Sebastian Vettel is a four-time world champion and Lewis is three times world champion and he would rather not see Lewis equal his time his title, yeah. uh, tally you know that's what I was thinking in my head I was like and I was sitting with my friends like no Sebastian is gonna dive down inside I was like guys if this is Max he's gonna dive but this is Sebastian he would want to protect his record of course I would do the same I'm like, why would I help the yeah. guy who's about to equal me in title style? I'd rather help my friend. They're both his friends. Both Lewis and Nico are Sebastian's friends. But, you know, the game is the game, you know? Yeah, the lesser of two yeah, evils, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, yeah. Frenemies, yeah. I should but, say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seeing Nico celebrate and everything, I was like, you know what? He deserves it. Like, it felt deserved. Uh, in that moment, seeing him celebrating all that. I was sad, but hey, look after what happened. 2020, the man is seven times world champion, so. I just want to tell for the new fans, uh, don't get injected into the fights that you see on the social media. Uh, I would say enjoy watching Lewis Hamilton number one and watching Fernando Alonso because these guys probably are racing for the last contracts of their careers. Um, yeah, and just just have fun enjoying. Like, don't and if you don't understand something, it's better for you to ask people. Or you know what? Don't ask anyone. Don't ask anyone. Just Google and do more research to understand the sport better. We have everything in these silly devices now. Like you don't even need to ask anyone. But of course, asking more people to understand that have better insight, it will be enjoyable. Other than that, I'll say just thank you for having me, man. And uh, I really enjoyed being with you on this episode. Ahmed, it was so great having you on the DRS Zone, Daily Racing Stories. Thank you for sharing your perspective regarding Jetta in the controversy that came around with the bombings last season that may live in the minds of fans for years to come. And also on top of it, giving us some great recommendations for previous seasons and races to watch in Formula One as we all are constantly learning and learning such a rich history about this sport and the moments that some fans know for forever and some fans still need to learn about. On top of it, if you are free here and listening, Ahmed's link for his Twitter is in the show note descriptions. Highly recommend giving him a follow and looking forward to more people sharing their daily racing stories. Take care. We'll see you around.